Hello, my name is Tim Schwartz and welcome to the Life After Blindness podcast. In this week's news, Maria Johnson and I discuss a collaboration between National Federation of the Blind and Kellogg's and Rice Krispies. Then we talk about a hands-free cane for toddlers. And then we talk about blind triplet Boy Scouts who achieved the rank of Eagle Scout. And then in this week's interview, I'll be speaking with Darnell Booker, who is the general manager and coach of the 2018 Beep Baseball World Series champion, Indy Thunder. And in T3 this week, I will introduce you to some features that you can find in the all-new operating system, Android Pie. This is episode number 27, and your Life After Blindness journey continues right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life After Blindness. This is the podcast where we are dedicated to the exploration of an enabled life with blindness. I'm your host, Tim Schwartz, and I want to thank you very much for joining me once again. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash 27. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 27. And of course, if you have questions or comments for me about the show or anything else at all, just send me an email. Send those emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. And if you could please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast app you're using. I really, really greatly appreciate that. We have a lot to get to this week, so why don't we go ahead and dive right into this week's news. And back with me this week to talk about the news from girlgoneblind.com is Maria Johnson. Maria, welcome back to Life After Blindness. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. So this week, kind of a coincidence, it worked out this way. All of our news stories relate to children. So with school being back in session now this month or later in the month, kind of worked out nicely that we have children's stories to talk about. And this first one, I absolutely love Maria. I know you liked it as well. And this comes from the Kellogg company. That's right. Kellogg's who makes all those cereals that we love has created something in conjunction with the national federation of the blind here in the United States, where you can order for free first heart stickers that have braille things written on them. So I think some of them say, I love you, or you've got this, things like that. I think there's eight different uh, sayings that you can have on these Braille stickers and they're in the shape of a heart. Apparently you can take that heart shaped sticker and put it right on the heart shape on a Rice Krispie Treat package. And additionally, which I really like, they also have a Rice Krispie Treat sized box, basically big enough to put a, a treat in the box. And you can record a 10 second message. Now they have this set up for kids, of course, that are blind or visually impaired. So you can put a message in their lunchbox, either in Braille or with an audio message. I really like this initiative by Kellogg's and NFB. Oh, I think it is fantastic. I it, It's so heartwarming at the same time that somebody came up with this idea for one, and then a huge company said, Let's do it. Let's go with this. I mean, whoever came up with the idea, give them a raise, right? <laughs> so, absolutely. Right? I think it's wonderful. Now, back in the day, um, when my kids were, you know, in school and I was packing their lunches, you know, it was the old post it notes. You know, you, you put a note right. on a post it, right? 
and you, um, you know, set, put it in their lunchbox or put it on their sandwich baggie or whatever it was. And you sent them off and that was it. And then they grow older and they think, mom, that's so dumb. Don't do that anymore. So, you know, I quit. But if I was to write a post-it note now, it would be so scribble scrabble. Um, I wouldn't be able to tell what I was writing so much and I'm sure my kids wouldn't be able to read it. Um, so this where children who know Braille can feel the note from their parent or parents or guardian or grandparents, whoever it is packing that lunch, or they can listen to that note and have that little midday, um, I love you, or like you said, you got this, or I hope you're having a good day from their parent, just like a lot of other youngsters get from their parents, be it via a post-it note or a little card or something in their lunch boxes. I think it's just, I think it's just fabulous. I really do. It really is fabulous to be able to feel included and part of something where that blind child may not otherwise get that. They hear their classmates getting their lunches out and reading letters from their parents and notes from their parents, and, and they maybe don't have that access until now. And so to feel that inclusiveness and to say, you know what, I now can get a note from my parent or guardian, like you said, just like my sighted peers in class can, that can be a big self-esteem booster to a child, can really make them feel good emotionally and mentally, especially through their hard, stressful school day. And so for the NFB and Kellogg's to come together and say, you know what, we're going to do something about this. You know, some people may say, oh, this is cheesy and it's silly, whatever. You know what? No, you ask a six, seven, eight year old kid, especially a blind or visually impaired child, you know what they think about this. And I guarantee they're going to love it. Or if they don't know it first, the first day that they get one of these Braille hearts in their lunch, or they get one of those audio messages in the snack box. I would love to be able to see the smile and the glow on that child's face the first time that they get one. Cause I guarantee you having a six-year-old myself going in the first grade right now, she would love it. And to that end, I have ordered the audio snack box. I'm not really proficient at all in Braille. And of course my daughter doesn't know Braille cause she's sighted, but I figured why not do this in reverse? My, my daughter, like I said, is not blind, but I am. So I could record the 10 second audio message, put a snack in there and I'd be able to write a note. So I, again, like you, if I tried to write a note, there'd be no way she's not going to be able to read it. So I could use it in reverse and record an audio message for her with her snack that she'll be able to get from her dad, which right up until now she could only get from her mom. So I think this is fantastic. I've ordered the audio box. As soon as we saw this, my wife went out to the website and, and, you know, went to see what she could do to get one of these for us right away. Uh, they do say that you can record, like I said, 10 second messages and record over and over again up to, I think a thousand times before it runs out. Nice thing about it is the stickers for the Braille as well as the box are free. Now, right now, because of the demand, I think the shipping time is about four to six weeks, but once you get them again, it's going to be free. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Kudos to Kellogg's because this is going to boost their reputation as well. And it's not because, oh, they're doing something really nice for the blind, visually impaired. No, it's because they're thinking outside the box, if you will. They're thinking outside the package. Right. And I guess these Rice Krispie Treats, it's been a while since I've bought them. They do have a place where you can handwrite a note, which I didn't really realize. So they were already doing something kind of cute for um, kids who, you know, would pull them out of their lunch bags. So this just spurred it to the next level. So it's, you know, it's, it's not 
them going, well, what can we do to help these poor kids who don't get a note? No, it's being inclusive. Like you said, it's stepping up what other companies should follow suit with is how can you make the, you know, the day or the situation or the environment more inclusive for kids and why not through one of, you know, one of their favorite treats. I mean, I love Rice Krispie treats and it would be even more cool if I had a little note on it from, even from one of my kids, um, on it, you know, you know, Hey, maybe I'll order a box and my kids record messages, but, um, you know, and the fact that you can record up to a thousand times on the thing, that's pretty darn cool. Really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I would not be surprised that once I receive mine and I put it in my daughter's lunchbox, it wouldn't surprise me at all that she comes home and hands it to me with her own pre-recorded message because it won't take her long to figure out how to use that button and record one back. So we may go through a couple of these pretty quickly because between my messages to her and her return messages, I just know my daughter, she's going to do it. Um, <sighs> this is going to be a, a cute, nice little way to share things back and forth. So, you know, it's only in yeah. 10 second increments, but it's still it, 10 seconds is plenty to say, say what you want to say and, and brighten your child's day. So from inclusiveness in the lunchroom for your child to inclusiveness on the playground or anywhere else your toddler may be, this next story, Maria, really caught my attention because as we know for a toddler, it's sometimes difficult for orientation and mobility because they maybe don't have the skills yet to use a regular white cane. They obviously may not be ready yet for a guide dog. I think most schools, you have to be a little older for a guide dog. And so for a long time, they've been trying to come up with another way for toddlers to have that freedom and, and have that uh, inclusiveness and, and navigation ability. And a company has come out with something new called the toddler cane. Now, I'll describe this the best way I can, Maria, and you can back me up with this because you have a little bit of vision so you can see some of this. But from my understanding, it's a handcrafted belt. According to the website, the belts are all handcrafted because they have to be made for the size of the child, of course. There's almost, I don't want to call it a harness because that's probably not accurate, but there's uh, some some straps that go on with this, almost like a PVC pipe, which from what I read, the original kind of mock-ups of this or were kind of maybe a PC, P, PVC pipe kind of thing, but they 3D print all of the parts of this in addition to the handcrafted belts. And then there's almost like a double cane that comes off of the front of the child and has these rubber feet at the bottom, almost like these little L shapes that stick straight out. And then they're connected by a bar in the middle to keep them stable. And so as the child is running or walking or playing or what have you, this hands-free double cane, for the lack of a better term, with these little rubber feet on the bottom that's what treads on the ground and allows the child to feel what's in front of them. So if it's the ground or grass, or if there's a wall or a berm or something, this will track it first, just like your white cane would, but this does it automatically and hands-free. Now, some of the videos show the children using their hands because it's just, you know, they're going to use their hand and put it on there. It's just going to be a natural thing, but they don't have to, they can run and play and play ball and catch and climb and whatever they want to do hands-free with this toddler cane. Yes, your description is pretty accurate from what I could tell um, by zooming into on my computer. And the the cool thing about this, hands-free. Um, instead of having your child, you know, having their hands out and, you know, being completely lost, you know, they can have one of these and they are able to run around and do the things 
toddlers, very young children do, as you already said, be it on a playground, be it in their backyard, be it in their own home. Um, you know, just navigating down a hallway sometimes, um, you know, can be a little bit, you know, <laughs> might need a little bit of that bumper right, action, exactly. if you will. And yeah, and the, um, but the hands-free so that they are able to throw a ball or they're able to carry something with them and not, you know, have uh, one hand with a cane and one hand trying to hold their, their doll or, or maybe a, a baby doll or a stroller, whatnot. Um, the, the other cool part was that they are trying to make sure that every toddler who needs this mobility white cane um, or double cane, if like you said, gets one. And they have um, been trying to do that. That's one of the goals of this company who's, you know, heading this up with this uh, cane or double cane is to make sure that a toddler gets one if they need one, which I thought was cool. Um, You and I have both already said we have seen those videos with two, three, four-year-olds using these little baby white canes. And, you know, they don't have the coordination. They don't have the skill. They don't have those mobility, um, you know, the know-how quite yet. But you do see them maneuvering the walkways and and that, you know, getting to, you know, their little, maybe their little tricycle or something like that with their cane. But they, they're, you know, it could be a balance issue. They, they only have one hand free. And if they fall, you know, do they hold onto the cane? Do they not hold on to the cane? This and that. But so I think this double cane will also eliminate any, you know, accidents or falls that visually impaired blind children might have because of unforeseen obstacles or balance issues that they might have as well. Those are really great points, Maria, because, you know, toddlers have enough things to deal with as it is, as they're growing and learning and finding their own just mobility. Even if you're not blind or visually impaired, just a sighted toddler has enough things going on, nothing to worry about than having one hand on a cane like that, you know, like you said. So to be able to be hands-free and run and play and interact and do things with their friends without having to worry about feeling for a wall or feeling for whatever that that gives that toddler so much more freedom and ability and you're absolutely right i love the fact that this company is trying their best to make sure that these are free for toddlers because their cost actually is about four hundred dollars and they do have a breakdown on their website where it shows how much it costs for the belt part and the 3d printed part and the manufacturing of it and it all adds up to about four hundred dollars a piece so they are looking for donations in order to keep this free for all toddlers and right now i think i saw that there's about a hundred of these in circulation around the world they're international right now and about a hundred of them and in the article that i saw this in first that i'll share on the website this little girl named Madison, about two and a half years old in Virginia, was one of the first, if not the very first in the United States to receive this. So it, it's still in its early stages. There's not very many of them out there, quite honestly. A hundred in the world is not very many, but it's a great start. And I think it's I think it's a really nice transition from when a child first starts walking to using something like this to then going on to using a single white cane or a guide dog or, or what have you, having something for a toddler to give them that ability and and enable them to do the things they need to do as a toddler without hindering their growth and their learning and everything else that they've got to go through and deal with. I think this is a fantastic idea. 
What about also looking from the angle from the parents? The parents also, you know, are always probably worried about their, you know, two and a half year old, again, sighted or, or blind, you know, running into things, falling, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, this is just another little, you know, peace of mind, if you will, um, for the parents to go, you know what, they're, they're going to be safe. They can do the things they want to do. Um, this has got to be a little bit of relief for a parent knowing that their child is going to be a little bit more secure while trying to be as independent as a child can be at that age. No, absolutely. That peace of mind as a parent, when you're so worried and so concerned about your child in general, and then add to it that your child is visually impaired and you're concerned about falls or them running into things and not being able to interact with things you know, the way that a, a child should be able to at that age. And so to have that freedom with something like this, where their hands are free and they, they can just be a toddler, that peace of mind for a parent has got to be fantastic to know, okay, my, my child is a bit safer with something like this, where they're going to be able to navigate and have that individuality and have that ability to do things and learn without having been encumbered by, by some other type of tool that they have to use with one hand. Yeah. So Maria talking about parents who have concerns or maybe no concerns about their child. The last story that I want to talk to you about this week, again, comes out of Virginia where a blind father actually was able to adopt Three blind children, triplets actually, Leo, Nick, and Stephen are the names of the children. And this blind father, quite honestly, has done a pretty darn good job with these kids because Leo, Nick, and Stephen, not only are each of them blind, but each of them also reached the rank of Eagle Scouts within the Boy Scouts, which, as you know, Maria, is not an easy thing to do. I was in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts as a kid. If I hadn't switched schools at one point when I did, I probably would have gone on further and, and was hoping to be an Eagle Scout. But I unfortunately stopped way before that. But to be able to achieve the level of Eagle Scout, I mean, that's not easy as it is. And to be you know, blind triplets that all three of them accomplish this together is, is just, is wonderful. It is wonderful. And as one of the boys said, they are so thankful and they would never have had this opportunity unless one, they had been adopted by this wonderful man and two been uh, members of the Boy Scouts where you do go through pretty rigorous merit badges and a lot of them. And then you do a community service project, which each of them did individually. And then you, you know, there are other things you need to do to accomplish this Eagle rank, but then, you know, you have your board of review and then you are actually awarded the rank of Eagle, which, you know, goes really, really far these days. I mean, this, this type of a rank you put on your resume, because when employers see that you're an Eagle Scout, they know what you've had to do to achieve that rank. And I know this because my son was in Scouts. Uh, my brother-in-law is a Scoutmaster. He's done, you know, almost 100 of Eagle Scouts have been through his troop. So I, I know a little bit about what has to be put into getting the rank of Eagle. And it is a huge accomplishment. And what a thrill for these boys to do it together. And what a proud papa of these three boys he must be um, to have that, that that's their own. And not a whole lot of blind young men probably achieve that rank. And I think that's why they really highlighted this, um, this, these boys in this article was because I, 
it's probably not that common. And maybe this will spur a few younger blind young men to join, you know, Cub Scouts and go through the ranks of Boy Scouts and say, you know what, I heard that these other guys did it and I want to do it. And um, I mean, it's not just for folks who are blind. I know that's the article, but, you know, with other disabilities, you know, I'm sure many young men with disabilities have gone to the rank of Eagle and we're just talking about these three blind young men. Um, but you know, it is, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And what a thrill for, for the whole family. It is a big deal. And I can only imagine that father. And yes, like we said, he's blind, but just any parent to be able to have your child achieve the rank of Eagle Scout. I mean, just in general, that's such a big thing and and really just has to make you feel great about what your children have, have achieved. But that to that, not only do we have a blind father, but then again, like we said, we have triplets that are blind and you know, everybody knows that listens to Life After Blindness regularly. I love these stories because it shows that something like this can be done. These are the stories I love to share, that I love to tell, because it's the idea that it doesn't matter if you're blind or visually impaired. It doesn't matter if you have some other sort of disability. There are ways that you can do things that are as quote unquote normal as anybody else, whatever normal is, you know, and it can be done. And I just think that a story like this is a great lesson for others like you just said, Maria, to be able to say, you know what, if these kids can do it, any kid can do this. You set your mind to it, whether you're blind or, or not or whatever may be going on in your life you can do something like this. And for these kids, and especially like you said, for the father, they were honored in Congress in Washington, DC. Uh, I believe it was Tim Kaine and Mark Warner came together in Congress to honor not just these three uh, young men, but all the Eagle Scouts from Virginia that were there to be honored. And that alone was just a big, big deal. I'm sure not just for these three young guys, but for the whole troop, all these Eagle Scouts and all the parents involved to be able to be, acknowledged in your nation's capital and to have, you know, lawmakers actually say, Hey, you know what? We deal with things day in and day out that are crazy and stressful. And we may not agree on a lot of things on, you know, on party lines, but this is something we can absolutely come together on and agree that all these young men, not just the blind ones, but all the young men involved are achieving something really great, really fantastic, putting a lot of effort into it, and they should be applauded and recognized for it. Yeah. it You know, and I think there's probably, a, it's a smaller percentage of scouts actually do make it to Eagle, which makes it even more special um, for not only the boy, but also, like you said, the families and getting an additional recognition. Hey, you know what? Frame it, put it on the wall. <laughs> you got that right. I know I would. I absolutely would. I Like I said at the beginning of this conversation, I I wish I had been able to continue on because I always wanted to reach that goal of Eagle Scout. I believe I stopped at the Weeblo level, I believe, um, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. I just, long story, but I switched schools and just wasn't able to continue for whatever reason. But to be able to do this, uh, yeah, I, I applaud these young men and, and I think that uh, they've done a fantastic thing and you're right. They're going to go into their adult lives now with this on a resume and hopefully we will continue to see good things from all of these young men. 
Now, all of these articles that we've discussed, Maria, I am going to link these in the show notes for this week's episode. So everybody out there, if you want to check out lifeafterblindness.com slash 27, that's lifeafterblindness.com slash 2727, you'll find links to all these articles that we've talked about. I'll make sure to put a link in there so that you can order the Braille stickers or the audio recording box from Kellogg's. So that'll be in there as well. And Maria, I want to thank you again so much for coming on Life After Blindness and helping me out with this week's news. Thanks for having me, Tim. I am always happy to come on and chit chat about the news anytime. Near the end of July, Maria Johnson had joined me then to talk about some news, and we discussed the 2018 Beat Baseball World Series Championship. And it was a really great series this year, as it always is. And I was very eager to get the champion of the Beat Baseball World Series to come on the show. And so I'm joined this week by the general manager and coach of the three P. Yes, I said three Pete. World Series champions of beep baseball, Darnell Booker. Darnell, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So you are, like I said, the general manager and coach of Indie Thunder, and you guys have just recently completed your third year in a row winning the World Series championship of uh, a beep baseball. Tell me, tell me what that was like. How did that feel? It was a great feeling. I mean, um, we we I mean we really have a great team and. It showed throughout the week of the World Series, and we were pressed against the wall in the championship game where we had to go two games. And want to give a good shout-out to the Bayou City Heat out of Houston. They're a really, really good team, and and uh, they made us work for this 3 P. They absolutely did. Between the uh, rains that you guys had to deal with, so a couple of rain delays I know happened that uh, that particular weekend for a lot of the games, and and then uh, yeah, Bayou City was was really good. So they definitely uh, you know made you guys work for it. So let's let's take a step back then for anybody who doesn't know, uh, if you could just give me a brief kind of a brief overview of beat baseball and how it's played. Beat baseball is a sport for blind and visually impaired athletes male or female so it is co-ed um the, there's a one pound ball with some speak with some sounding mechanisms in the ball it's a one pound ball 16 inch softball um the ball beeps and the and we also have bases that are about four foot tall pylons first and third base only and we play our games on soccer fields and uh the goal and we have six players that uh seven if you include the designated fielder or designated hitter that play at one time and we have spotters in the field uh, which set the defense up and they play in particular zones and the goal and the pitcher and the batter are on the same team and they work together with there's a cadence the pitcher says and and the batter has to really try to have a consistent swing for the pitcher so they work tireless hours together on getting their timing down. So the, how beat ball is played is um, the batter and the pitcher, I say, work together. And then the goal is if the, the batter uh, comes up to the plate and asks for a base check, either first or third, the base operator uh, gives the batter a base check. And then once the ball is hit, the batter is is uh, uh, goes to a sound, whether it be first or third. And it's a random. It's not always first. It's not always third. It's a random beep. And the goal is it's almost like a race. If the batter gets to the beeping base before the fielders track the ball and hold it up, it's, it's a run score for his team, his or her team. If the fielder 
tracks the ball and holds it up off the ground away from their body before the batter gets to the base, it's an out. There's no throwing and beat baseball. So the the it's a very, very demanding sport on the body because you're hitting the ground, you're tackling bases and and it's pretty much like I said, it's it's a very, very unique sport. And um so what I always say that, you know, it's a team sport, uh, because you have the the spotters, the pitcher, the catcher, and the and the player. So and you know, and we all work together as one unit. Definitely is a team sport in in the true sense of the word because those fielders really have to be aware of where each other uh, are at all times and be aware of where the ball is and and talk to each other continuously, right? Yes, it's a very much a communication sport because only the spotter can only call one number in the zone, and there's a we there's a front line and a back line and a, a front line, middle line, and a back line. And then once the spotter calls a particular zone, you can see the teamwork, how the defense works together. If the ball gets by the front line, you might hear a call that says by right, by left, or right at you. Um, that way, the fielders know which way to go on that front line's communication. And the spotter, if the ball is, you know, the spotter's voice always is very important because if it's a short ball, you might hear a really quick call. And if it's a real high ball in the air, you might have to hear a really drawn out call as far as the number's concerned. The spotters can only call one number if they call, if, if there's two spotters on the field, one on each side of the field. And if the spot, if two spotters call two different numbers, that's a double call. And that is a run for the offense because the spotter must call one particular number and that's it. And the purpose of playing beat baseball on a soccer field is much more to do with the levelness or the the flatness of the soccer field to prevent injury and make it a little easier to to navigate on the field, right? Correct, because you want to be as flat as possible. You want, and that's why we play our games on soccer fields. However, we can play our games in the outfield of a baseball diamond, and we always think of safety first. So we know an outfield is plenty big to play a beat baseball game on from, you know, from the, if you were playing regular baseball from the outfield field to second base, it's a pretty long throw. So we have enough space to do that. And because at the world series this past year, we played a couple of our games on a baseball diamond outfield and it was flat and it was perfectly fine because it was, it was a lot of space. Absolutely. As long as it's a lot of space and, and definitely safe for, for everybody involved. Now, I do want to get to the team, talk more about them, this championship series run that you guys have been on. But first, let's let's get a bit of information about yourself. I mentioned at the top here that you are the general manager and coach. So talk with me a little bit about your role with Indy Thunder. Uh, sure. Well, I, in a nutshell, that's what I do. I, I oversee the team. I oversee um, our team. I, I founded the team in 2000. I've, I've been involved in beatball personally since 1985. I played beatball and I've won a world championship as a player, now three times as a general manager and coach. And, and like I said, um, just just organizing the team, whether it be fundraising, and, and we have a board of directors and, and we have our team that helps out. But basically, um, I just oversee the operation of the team and then I coach the team on the field. And I have a great coaching staff you know, that helps me with the players and development of the players. And we, we really have a great organization and we work 
together as one. That's the goal if every, that makes sure everybody's on the same page from the top to the bottom. Yeah, it's got to be a really rewarding feeling to come from being a player all those years and then founding the team and not only having founded the team, but now taking them, like I said, three times, three years in a row to the World Series Championship. That's got to be a real big kind of just boost for yourself personally to be able to have that come full circle like that. Oh, yeah, because when we first when I first founded the team, we weren't very good. And it take it takes baby steps building it from the ground up. Um, and then I, I think our fortunes change. I mean, we always when we entered the World Series, since we never missed the World Series since 2003. And then after the 2003 World Series that we were in, we were there in 2002, but we missed 2003 because of funding. But since 2003, we after the 2003 season, we've uh, never missed the World Series. And it takes funding and it takes building a team having the right uh, chemistry on and off the field because as you know in sports on and off the field is very important how we get along off the field how we play together as a team how we work together as a team and um also just building it and i like i said our 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 our, uh the tide turn i would say after the 2014 20 the 2014 and the 2015 season and um, we just had an influx. I decided to, I wanted the team to move more in a youthful um, direction, nothing against the veterans. But when you have a lot of youth and veterans, the, we are, this sport is not only going to, it's, it's pretty much a young man's game now. And I think a lot of teams are gearing themselves toward the youth. And I think we have a really, really strong core of youth on our team because our starting lineup for the last three years have been 21 and under, you know, a year later, 22 and under or whatever. So my three of my starters are still in high school and they're playing against grown men. So you see the, and the, and these guys are multi-sport athletes. They play other sports in their schools and, and that helps. And so I think that's when I, the tide changed for our organization when, when, when we went younger as of the 2015 season. And it was amazing. You know, we finished eighth in 2015. Then it was it was amazing that um, we went on this role in 16, 17, and 18. And, and, you know, just finding the right nucleus, finding the right core of athletes, along with our veterans who groom the, who work with our youth. And, and they understand that, you know, you have to be a star in your role and be prepared to to come off the bench when your number is called. And, and just give you an example of how that works with me as far as the players are concerned. I pitched for um, since I've been pitching since 1995. So from 1995 to 2015, I pitched. Well, there's a pitcher who's a great. We have a great, phenomenal pitcher, you know, who lives here in Indianapolis now, and um, who came to our team. and And I'm as competitive as they come. Do I want to pitch? Yes, I do. But I understand the role of sports, and he's a little more accurate than I am. I am visually impaired in my right eye, so I don't see 2020. So but I do pitch and I'm not chopped liver, but I understand as a pitcher, you got to have really good accuracy and everything like that. So understanding that, yes, I want to pitch, but I understand my role as, as a, as a backup pitcher, the team calls me state farm, a good insurance policy. (laughs) So, but that's fine with me because the results is we're our organization. Now we have a culture here now that is championship or bust. You know, we, that's just, uh, the, how the standards have been set since the 2015 season. I mean, uh, you know, finishing eighth is not too shabby with me. And uh, but like I said, when we got this, uh, when we got our pitcher, his name is Jared, and he's a great pitcher. And and you know, you don't he he's so humble and everything like that. But he he knows it, and 
And and so we just work at it. And we every no matter how good you are, you can always get better. And we strive to get better each and every year. So, yeah, and that's the, and that's the hard part for our best veterans and stuff, understanding they, they want to play, they want to be out there. But I think the concept is you have to be a star in your role and be ready when your number's called. And I try to uh, lead by example with that as far as my pitching is concerned. But, yeah, do I want to be out there pitching to my players? Yes, I do. But I do understand it. The, the the theme of sports where you want to put your best out there on the field and and I always want to put our best out there on the field and and our youth is is the movement is youth on our team and and it was like I always told our guys just you know how you practice is how you're going to play and that's what that's why we've been that's why the the tide turned for us after the 2015 season I think it's a really great point because with beatball, just like any sport, there's definitely a mental aspect of it. And it is so athletic. A lot of people may not realize, you know, they think, oh, we're just, you know, pitching a ball to somebody and they're hitting it and just running to a pylon. But from the few times that I've been able to been blessed to play years ago when I was younger and, and more athletic, um, I mean, I would tackle that pylon. I I'd do anything I could to get there before they got that ball in the outfield. And there really is a sense of athleticism as well as the mental game, like you said about pitching and being accurate. And so uh, I don't know if sometimes people realize how athletic these guys are, especially these young guys. You were talking about being multi-sport athletes. I mean, these guys are phenomenal, especially in these types of tournaments and series where, you know, like you said, finishing eighth is not too shabby, especially in this pool of teams. The teams that come together for the World Series, especially, are so good and so competitive. I mean, I know it doesn't happen often, but I mean, there are times where I know some outfielders will snag that ball out of out of midair and they can't see yeah, the ball coming. I mean, so it's it's pretty amazing. Hop, you know, we, the, we this game, like any other sport, is a, is a game for for athletic, young. I mean, father time is going to catch up with you. So sure. we know that. And you have to, and a lot of teams now around the country are practicing pretty much year round because of the uh, indoor practice facilities that they, they can go to and, and have get their timing down with hitting and then work on, you know, just tracking the ball inside. I mean, you know, we, it used to be that the Texas teams and the team from California and, and Taiwan and, they can, you know, Dominican Republic, they can practice year round. Well, the teams in the Midwest and everything like that has went out and, and sought out sponsorship and in-kind donations to get indoor use of facilities. We start our season in January, the, the first Sunday in January, all the way. So our season starts from January all the way to the end of September, because from January until the end of March, we're indoors. And then from March till August, we're outdoors with, with practice and tournaments. And then after the World Series, we have exhibitions where we bring awareness to the sport around the state of Indiana. And then um, we, I let the, a good thing for me is that after September 30th, I tell our team to get away from beat baseball for about 90 days, three months, so they can just do what they need to do just to just to get away from it. Me, it doesn't stop for me because get preparing and getting to the World Series is about fundraising. So we're always looking for fundraising. So I'm always forever fundraising for my team. And uh, that's very important. That's how you get to the World Series. You don't get there by qualifying in regional tournaments or whatever. It's all about fundraising. So uh, the goal each and every year is get to the World Series. But in order to get to the World Series, you got to have fundraising. 
Absolutely. I want to talk to you more about fundraising in a moment. Before we get there, I want to ask you about this team because we talked about the mental aspects and the, and the physicality and the athleticism of this team. And I know from listening to some of the games that I've done and, and some of the YouTube videos that show you guys talking to each other and, and the excitement that this team has and the motivation that they have. Tell me what, what's in the heart and soul of this team. What is it about this team other than the athleticism and the youth? What, what makes this team so special? I just think, um, the chemistry on and off the field, how we gel, how we connect, and we all go out to dinner. We all hang out. We all are are pulling for one another, and you know, um, you know, like I said, no matter who's out there on the field, we we have each other's back. And and the mental that this team is so mentally tough because we did have some, you know, we had to fought through the rain and 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 everything. So we were practice. We used to we're used to practicing in the rain and. And, the, and these teams, I mean, our team is just, I think our team is one of the most mentally strongest team in the league. And, and, and they're, and they're, you know, we put these guys in game situations in practice. Like I said, we practice how we play. So our coaching, the coaching staff, we put them in, you know, you only have one pitch to take. You have a full count. You have, you know, two strikes. Or when we're playing defense, you, we make them, we, we, we prepare them to say you have to get 21 outs. You know, we, put, we, we play because we always say you can score as much as you want to score, but if you can't stop anybody, that's not what's going to happen. So I'm a defensive-minded coach because I always say defense wins championships, and that's evident this past week what what we have and like I said I just think we're just so mentally tough and and we can we we can figure it out really fast and we you know we understand that we just can't show up and just expect to win we got to go out there and be on our a game because we're going to get everybody's best shot absolutely I think with that kind of drive and determination that chemistry that this team seems to have in addition to being so athletic I think that really is is good and it seems like you know from top to bottom from from the top down you guys really understand each other and, and work well together so I think it's that is very important and hopefully that'll continue you know the success going forward but like you said with that success comes a lot of hard work behind the scenes so uh, getting information out there about the team telling people about it raising money and, and getting donations tell me how that's done what what do what can people do to help the indie thunder and and really help you guys uh you know continue going on well there's some you can give them all my information offline they can get a hold of myself as the contact person and and my email is i can just give you my email now it's like booker d b-o-o-k-e-r d as in darnell underscore the number 23 at yahoo.com and if they want to, and they can also, we also, we can, then that time I can distribute them a donation letter. We have a donation letter I can get to them. And then that tells about our, our team, our sport and our, and our needs as far as our equipment, uh, hotel vans and, and et cetera. So I, they can get a hold of me via email or they can also just to make sure they can, we also have a website, but we do not have a donation button at this time, but they can also look on our website and see what we can, they can look at videos. They can look at what we're about. They can see all the, all the, um, all the things we have on our website and our website is thunder beep ball.org all one word thunderbeepball.org so they can go there they can look at um news articles pictures photos um the calendar we have um what's going on we'll have a 2019 calendar up very very soon um and so yeah they can go there to our website like i said again they can email me um if they want to help with the team we always say without volunteers beat baseball would not happen and so, and then the sponsorship is very, very important. So if anybody would like to donate 
to our team. We're more, I'm more than welcome to talk with them, uh, sell the sport to them. And because I always, always, and I would always say to our sponsors, come out and see what you're giving your dollars to, you know, and I know a lot of people want to be behind the scenes, but we really want them to see what, what they give their, their money to when they come and watch us practice, watch us play. We have a local tournament the first weekend of June every year. This coming up year, May uh, 2019, our tournament is May 31st through June the 2nd. Um, the details will be on our website and on the calendar. And we, and like I said, um, that way when they get that way, they'll feel proud about giving their dollars to a great team. Absolutely. It's definitely about having pride in what you're investing in. And I know it means a lot to the players to have those people in the stands and, and rooting for them when things are going well and, and, or even when things aren't going well, it's good to have that support. So absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make sure to include links to all of that information in our show notes on my website, lifeafterblindness.com. So we'll have all the contact information, your website and, and ways to donate uh, so that people can get in touch with Indy Thunder and, and help support you guys. We'll immediately send out a letter to them once we get in contact because the next year's World Series is going to be a little bit further away. So um, I, as of, I mean, I, I may savor the moment for about 48 hours <laughs> after we win, but I, I immediately turn the page into fundraising because next year's World Series is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's a little bit further away. And um, we're going to definitely need some expenses and some help getting to Tulsa. And, um, and, and our team, even though our team is based on the north side of town in Indianapolis, we are a statewide team. I mean, we're Indiana's team, so we recruit from all over the state. And uh, you know, that's that's if you wonder how we find players. Well, you know, we have a tool of the Indiana School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. We have Bosma, but also it's a word of mouth. And then we also go up to Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they have a goal ball uh, clinic. They have a goal ball facility. Um, so we recruit there, but a lot of these kids go to school together and they got word of mouth and they have their other friends that are blind and visually impaired. Hey, try this sport. So, but we recruit Jets. We don't recruit and which some teams do, which is perfectly fine, but we don't recruit nationwide. That's a philosophy. There used to be several teams here, but a couple of our players that formerly played for me, they wanted to start their own team with a different philosophy and that's fine. We just, we, I feel like, you know, we're Indiana's team, even though we're based out of Indianapolis, because so, we have players from all over the state on our team. And I think when it's homegrown, it's a really, really great feeling. But there's nothing wrong with recruiting nationally because everybody is going for that World Series ring. And it's just so sweet to do it three years in a row with homegrown talent. Absolutely. It'd be even sweeter to do it four years in a row. And I agree with you. I think having that homegrown talent builds camaraderie not that you can't do that nationally but i think everybody coming from the same part of the country the same state i think that that really can add something special to the team which apparently it has with indy thunder so right uh, because yeah. you know you have it's about the practice time the chemistry on and off the field working together and you know and, and like i said I, I know there's some amazing teams that you know like I mean, just for an example, like I said, there, I, we love the healthy rivalry and the healthy competition. The Indy Edge is from the south side of town. They have about five or six guys from Indiana, but they do recruit nationally. So, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we have a different philosophy. We have a healthy competition with those guys. I love those guys because some of those guys played for me at the beginning of the Thunder era. But 
a couple of those guys wanted to have their own team and I uh, wish them nothing but the best and, and luck. And, and they've done well this year. I mean, they, you know, here in Indiana, you know, whether it's a national team or a homegrown team, you know, there's two top teams in the state of Indiana and, and, you know, that's something to be proud of. And I could say, you know, they come from the thunder tree who, you know, which, <laughs> which is, which is fine, sure. but, which is fine, but it's just a healthy respect. And those guys are really, really good. And that makes us as the thunder work even harder to defend our title and keep what's what we have. And like I said, I was so, so, I don't know, just a loss for words after that, after that title on this past couple of weeks ago, it was just an amazing feeling. And you have that amazing feeling, whether you be sighted or blind or visually impaired in sports, nothing beats winning a title, nothing. And it's a great feeling. And I just love to give this opportunity to all our youth because my full-time background job is I work with youth and adults with mental and physical disabilities. And I cover sports a little bit part-time and I, I have a couple of jobs, but working with the youth is just amazing and it keeps you young and, and I just love doing it. And I love seeing blind and visually impaired athletes excel and, 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 and it brings camaraderie. You can see their social skills. You can see their, their teamwork and it builds leadership and, and all of that. So that's what I'm real proud of too, is just working with these young kids and, trying to develop them as people. It's one of my favorite things about a sport like beat baseball, where it does bring people together and that support and that camaraderie and, and the lessons learned on and off the field. Like you just said, I think it's fantastic for, for all those things that you mentioned that, you know, can really help someone, especially someone who's blind and visually impaired. So I think it's a great thing uh, that beat baseball is thriving the way it is. I think it's great what you've done there in Indianapolis with the Indy thunder and, uh, going to be pulling for you guys to, to do a fourth one. I'm from the Midwest myself, just outside Cincinnati, as people know. And so I almost kind of think of Indy Thunder now the last few years is, is kind of my team because awesome. <laughs> you guys are only a couple of years, you know, a couple hours up the road from me. So, you know, closest team that I've got, and, and, I, and I'm all about, you know, I love baseball in general and, and, and beat baseball. I love as well. So uh, I think that uh, you guys got a really good thing going on there and we'll be rooting for you going forward. I just want to say in closing, I yes. want to give a shout out to the league, the NBBA, which is the National Beat Baseball Association, who we are associated with. And I am the second vice president of the NBBA as well, which is in charge of public relations and um, media. I just want to give a shout out to the league and it's growing. So if anybody want to help the league as a whole, they can go to nbba.org and they can also help anytime they purchase a go on Amazon and Amazon smile. There's a portion of that goes to the national beat baseball association. So, I mean, I want to, you know, not only promote my team, but I want to promote the organization, the national beat baseball association. Uh, like I said, again, I'm second VP and, and I'm in charge of media and public relations, but uh, I, I just think our league is growing with all types of teams are cropping up. I think we have 35, almost 40 teams in the U S and we have, Taiwan, Canada, and the Dominican Republic. That's international. So it is a worldwide sport and it's truly a world series with, with those two teams, those two, two or three other continents being there. But yes, I think the beat ball has come a long way uh, and we're striving to get better as a organization 
And uh, I, I just want people to, if they want to find out how to develop a team or get a team, they can go to NDBA.org and, and there's everything is on our website there. That's the national website. And, um, and I always say also in closing, I'd say without volunteers, beat baseball uh, cannot happen. And I always say this, when we, when you guys come to a game, we always say applause is necessary, but silence is golden. Come watch a game and enjoy it. On that perfectly wonderful note, I want to thank you, Darnell, so much for coming on Life After Blindness, talking with me about the Indy Thunder and NBBA and, and really just promoting the, the good spirit of beat baseball and what you guys are doing there is spectacular. So thank you so much for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I was so happy to have Darnell come on and talk with me. We had a really great conversation and Darnell seems like a really great guy. So thanks again to him for coming on the show and talking with me. And again, congratulations to the 2018 Beat Baseball World Series champs, Indy Thunder. Okay, moving right along. I know that there are a whole lot of iPhone users out there in the blind and visually impaired community, but there are some of you who use an Android smartphone. And as some of you may know, Android just recently updated their operating system to version 9 or from Android Oreo, which is the previous version, to what they're calling now Android Pie. So I thought it might be interesting for this week's tech tip to talk about a few new features in the new Android operating system. So for you Android users out there, here are a few tips to get you started with Android Pie on this week's T3. T3 initiated. The Android smartphone operating system called Android Pie offers many features that enable you to use and navigate your phone much more easily. This is my list of three things that you may want to activate right away when using Android Pie. First up, gestures. You are now able to abandon the traditional three-button navigation method and rely on gestures instead. To activate these gestures, navigate to Settings, System, and then Gestures. Then select Swipe Up on Home button and enable it. You can now swipe up on the home button to view your recently used apps. You can now also swipe quickly to the right to fast switch between two apps. You can slowly move the home button to scroll between all your recently used apps. And you can tap the home button to return to the home screen. Next, action suggestions. Swipe up on the new home button to reveal a new row of five apps at the bottom of the screen. These apps are suggestions based on your recent usage. Open the app drawer to find common tasks such as opening an app or starting a text message. If you find any of these features a bit creepy, you can disable one or all of them. To do this, long press on the wallpaper and select home settings. And under suggestions, move the appropriate buttons to the off position. And last, do not disturb. Using Do Not Disturb blocks calls and notifications when your phone is in idle. It can also block visual disturbances by preventing the visual display from coming on at all. To view or change the settings for Do Not Disturb, go to Settings, then Apps and Notifications, Notifications, and then Do Not Disturb. Under Behavior, select Sound and Vibration. There you will find a short list of sounds that you can have on or off when Do Not Disturb is enabled. Notifications provides more advanced settings for things like app badges and indicator lights. And there you have it, just a few new features to get you started with Android Pie.
If you have any suggestions for an upcoming edition of Tim's Tech Tips, please send an email to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Again, that's tim at lifeafterblindness.com. And let me know what you'd like to hear in a future edition of T3. I'm also seeking new Because of My Blindness stories, so if you have a story that you'd like to share, whether it's funny or silly or inspiring, educational, or all the above, please, again, send those emails to me as well. You can use an app on your smartphone. Any audio recording app will do and attach an audio file to an email and send that in to me. Or if you prefer, just write out your story and I will be sure to get that on the show in an upcoming episode. I'd like to thank this week's guests, Maria Johnson and Darnell Booker. I really appreciate them coming on the show. You can find contact information as well as links to their websites in this week's show notes by visiting lifeafterblindness.com slash 27. And I also want to thank all of you for joining me this week for Life After Blindness. Without you, I wouldn't be able to do this show each and every week. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions or comments for me, of course, you can send those emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Please join me again next week as we continue this journey together to find that there truly can be a life after blindness. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.